Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Activating the covenant blessings of God. How do you activate it? Now that you are connected with the Almighty God, how do you activate it? When the church or the preacher talks about prosperity, there are always mixed emotions in the church. When people hear about preachers talking about money, oh, these people have come again. Eh? Now there are so many mixed reactions. The first reaction is what you see there. People are excited. They want to know the principles of the scripture. They want to know what God has to say. The next kind of reaction is those say, pastor say, we are talking about the covenant blessings of prosperity. They say, oh... These people have started all over again. They are talking about, talking about money. Yeah, That's all they talk about in church. Money, 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 money. And then there are some people, as soon as the word money is mentioned or prosperity is mentioned on the pulpit, they blow a gasket. Okay? They blow a gasket. And they are really, you know, in their mind, that is exactly what they are doing to the pastor. Okay? That is exactly what they are doing to the pastor. You know, they are saying, what, what are you talking about? Eh? How can you be talking about this in church? We are supposed to be going to heaven. And you are talking about money. That is what some people are doing, even in their minds right now, when they hear the word prosperity. And then finally, you know, and then there are those who simply just tune out the preacher. Okay? They just tune the preacher say, whatever. You know? You know, keep talking your own. It doesn't make any difference for me. And you can you can see that even from just looking at the picture, many of you can relate to it. <laughs> when you hear the word prosperity, a lot of you, oh, it's just the way, uh, yeah, we know, we know, we know, <laughs> we know. But the question that comes to mind is that why do people feel like this when we talk about money in the church? Why? Why do people have this kind of mixed emotion when the subject of prosperity, which is vital to the life and the ministry of Christ, which is vital even to your own life, why is it that anytime we hear this thing, we have this kind of reactions? Why? Well, let me guess and tell you that people have this particular reaction, number one, because the subject of prosperity in the church has been abused. Okay? The prospect, the, the, the subject has been abused. The subject has been overly, you know, every small thing, even the pastor that doesn't have a job will tell you he's a prosperous pastor, you know. But that's, this is the only issue has been abused. The second reason why people feel like that is because it's been overemphasized. If you, if you go to certain places, it's like the only thing in the Bible is money. And that is not true. There is money in the Bible, no question about it, but that is not the only thing in there. It's been prosperity has been overemphasized. That's why people behave like that. Number three, be the subject of prosperity has, has been equal, you know, has been equated primarily with money. And prosperity is not only money. We will get to it in the scriptures as we go forward now. But prosperity is not just about money. Prosperity is about your whole being. And then finally, People have this mixed emotion when it comes to prosperity because they see the gap between the promise that the preacher is giving and the experience that people are having. And as a result, they see that the only people who are benefiting from this particular business is the pastor. 
Okay? So because of the prosperity gap, a lot of people are saying, you think it's a fraud. You are telling me to give money, give money, give money, but I'm not seeing the blessing. You are telling me that if I give to God, God will release back unto me, but I'm not seeing the blessing. So because of the prosperity gap, a lot of people are beginning to say, oh, keep that story, I don't want it anymore. And then finally, because of the mixed emotions that people have about prosperity in the church, it's because of the fact that they see that the people who are giving are getting poorer, the people who are receiving are getting richer. The pastors are driving the, be- they are driving the best cars. They're looking beautiful. Yeah? <laughs> They're driving all the jets and every other good thing. But the idea is that the people who are giving are not making the money. And people are feeling they are feeling that they are being deceived. And that is why most people have those reactions when you hear the word prosperity in church. Okay? But this is, should not be the case. This should not be the case. And here at Lifelong Anointing Church, we believe. That prosperity is designed for every member of the body of Christ. It is the right of the believer. It is the right of the child of God. While we may not emphasize it every Sunday, okay? We only set aside the first month, the first month of the year to teach about it. While we don't emphasize every year, every, every sermon, we don't make it the subject of every sermon, we are convinced that God wants his people to prosper. And the Bible tells us the book of John chapter 2, Sorry, third John verse 2. He said, I wish, I beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. In other words, this is the desire of the Almighty God for you. That you may prosper, not just in few things, but in all things. In everything you lay your hands upon. As a student that you prosper. As a worker that you prosper. As a child that you prosper. In every area of your life that you prosper. And be in good health. Even as your soul prosper. If you go to the book of Psalm. Psalm 35, reading from verse number 27. The Bible tells us. It says, let them shout for joy and be glad. Who favor my righteous cause. And let them say continually. Let the Lord be magnified. Look at the next line. Who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. That means God is happy when you have money. God is happy when you are prosperous. God is happy when you are not lack, when you are not lacking. God is happy when the things that you need, you have the ability and the capacity to get those things. Alright? God is happy. The Bible says, who has pleasure? God has pleasure in the prosperity of his, of his, of his servants. In other words, prosperity is the will of God for his people. And as a result, God has made it as part of the blessings that he gives to his people. The question that comes to mind is this. This thing that we are calling prosperity, what is it? What is it? Like I said, I told you, it's not just money. Money is part of it, but it's not just money. Prosperity is the state of being successful. Okay? Successful in the work of your hand. Successful in the things that you do. Successful in the things that you decide to pursue. It's a state of flourishing. Okay? When you are thriving, when you are being the best at what the Lord has made you to be, that is what is called prosperity. Okay? When you are thriving, when you are successful, when you are flourishing at the work of your hand, that is what is made, that's what we refer to as prosperity. In other words, when you are doing well in your chosen field of, of, of endeavor, when you are thriving in your calling, you are referred to as being prosperous. And for a Christian, what does it mean to prosper? As a Christian. To, for a Christian, there are three levels of prosperity for a Christian. Okay? 
Prosperity is in three different levels. And that's what you saw in the book of Third John chapter 2. And Third John verse 2 that we read a few minutes ago. Number one, it has what is called a physical prosperity. Where you are physically rich. The Bible says that Abraham was rich in cattle. Okay? There is material prosperity. Abraham was rich in gold. Not just the physical thing. Not just seeing him thriving and doing well. He was materially prosperous. Number three, he was also spiritually prosperous. Because he could hear from God. Okay? So there are that three levels for a Christian, for a, for a believer, prosperity is a three-dimensional thing that occurs in the physical, in the material, and in the spiritual level. It is not just about money. It's all about your whole being. Okay? Your whole being. What is the essence? That's what Jesus Christ was asking. The question that Jesus Christ asked in the book of Mark chapter 8. If you read from verse 36, he said, What shall it profit a man if he gets the whole world and loses his own soul? In other words, if you have all the money in the world and you end up in hell, you are a poor man. Okay? It is also possible for you to not to have any money, to be spiritually dynamic like Lazarus and die like a pauper that you'll be eating from the dustbin. That's not the desire of the Almighty God either. So the Lord wants you to have that three-dimensional level of prosperity. The physical, the material, and the spiritual level. God is not against riches, as some people want you to believe. No. I believe in a God that is rich. And I'm aspiring that one day I'll become rich also. So that I also have, you know, just leave that one alone. But God wants, you know, (laughs) God wants us to be rich. But he wants you to have a balanced life. He wants you to be rich in the things of this world and also rich in the things of the spirits. That's why it says prosperity is not just about money. Okay? It's about everything about you. Your spiritual life, your soul, your body, everything about you is rich. And that is why God gave us the covenant of blessing. The covenant blessing of prosperity. The question is, what is this covenant blessing of prosperity? What is it? The covenant blessing of prosperity is the assurance that God gives to those who are in covenant relationship with him that he will supply their need and prosper the works of their hands. In other words, it tells you, he says, it's not by power, it's not by might, it's by my spirit. In other words, it's not how well, how strong you run, or how fast you run, or how much work you do. It is God putting his blessing upon your work. And the covenant blessing of prosperity says that if you do what you are supposed to do, I will do what I'm supposed to do. I will bless and I will prosper the work of your hand. So it's not the amount of hours you work at work. It's not the amount of how many jobs you have. It's not the amount of uh, the, uh, the kind of, uh, the way you, the way you try to be like every other person. Say, no, it, it is the blessing of God that makes a man rich and adds no sorrow. So God is interested in your, your, in your, in your, in your prosperity, but he wants you to do it through the covenant relationship. The covenant blessings of, the covenant blessings of prosperity believes that if a believer does what a believer is supposed to do, God will make sure that he does his own part by blessing you and prospering that particular believer. But here is a challenge. I have just told you that God wants you to bless, God wants to prosper you. I've just been saying it just like every other prosperity preacher will say. God wants you to be rich. He wants you to be prosperous. I've read it in the scripture that God delights in the prosperity of his people. The question now is, if God, if it is the will of God for his covenant people to prosper, why then are many of his children poor? Why? Does it mean God doesn't answer your prayer? Does it mean that God does not want you to be rich? Does it mean God is a liar? Or does it mean that people are just playing a scheme? Why is it that if God wants us to be rich, God wants us to be prosper, why does why are his children poor? 
Why are they not making ends meet? The reason is number one. Every covenant promise of God operates basic principles. There are basic principles to the operation of the things of God. Okay? Number two. The reason why many of the people of God are poor is because they, they, and to benefit from the covenant promise of God, you must know the principles that govern that promises and you must obey those prom- uh, pro- uh, principles. If you don't know them and you don't obey them, it doesn't work for you. It's as simple as that. Okay? If you pick a seed, say a corn, does the corn care whether it is being held by a white man or a black man? Does it make any difference? No. What the corn is interested in, if the corn is going to grow, is for you to do what? For you to obey the law of sowing. That's all the corn is interested in. And the law of sowing requires you to take that corn, not just admire it. Not just declare to the corn, yeah, you are going to prosper. Yeah, yeah, if you can declare from now the kingdom come. Unless you put that corn in the ground, nothing will happen. I hope you know that. The corn is only interested in one thing. You take the corn, you put it in the ground, you put the right condition, and it will grow. That's all. It doesn't matter whether you are white or black or tall or short or fat or thin or whatever. Educated or uneducated, it doesn't matter. What matters is that you take that thing, obey the principle of, uh, of, of sowing, and you will see the result. It's as simple as that. So many of God's people are poor, number two, because they do not know and they do not obey the simple principles that makes for prosperity. Number three, many of God's people are poor because they do not understand the principle upon which prosperity operates. If you don't understand the principle, you will walk against it. If you don't know how certain things work, you will be in problem. A person who just comes from Africa does not know the meaning of red light. In Africa, where that person comes from, or the, or the, or the neck of the wood, where they come from, when they see yellow light, they increase the speed. That is what they have been taught. If you come to America, and you see yellow light, and you increase the speed, you are looking for trouble. You get yourself in trouble because you don't understand the principle of how things work in this neck of the wood. The same thing in the kingdom of God. If you don't know how things work, it will not work for you. I hope you know, those of us who are students, that knowledge of what is written in your textbook do not jump on your head. I hope you know that. Okay? For some of us, when you have bad dream, we carry our Bible, we open to the book of Psalm and we put our head on it. It doesn't work. I hope you know that. I hope you know that. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Things like that don't work. You can open 10 Bibles and sleep on top of them. If the devil wants to punish you, he will punish you big time. He will even be angry that you are sleeping on the Bible. You know? But the point we are making is this. You have to know the principles upon which these things operate if you are going to benefit from it. You have to know the principles. So, the people of God are poor because the people of God are ignorant of the principles that make these things work. And then finally, many of God's people, many of God's children are poor because they do not practice the simple principles of prosperity. 
When you are spending more than you are earning, you are looking for trouble. <laughs> it doesn't take it doesn't take a rocket science to tell you that. When many people come to America and they see the credit card, you don't see nobody paying for it. You go to the swiper. You did this one swiper. You did this one swiper. At the end of the month, the bill comes. You say, "Look at these people. They are telling me that I'm owing them." No, 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 no. They are not telling you. You are owing them. They are not telling you. So when you don't understand the, how these things work, or you don't obey the principles, you do not get the benefit. Failure to practice the principles cause problems. The question then is, what are these basic principles that most people in the church don't know? What are the basic principles of prosperity? The first principle of prosperity is the principle of productive labor. If you don't work, you don't get rich. The first principle for prosperity is productive labor. Be engaged in something productive. Number two is the principle of stewardship. You have to understand that you cannot sustain and increase what you don't know how to manage. What you cannot manage, you cannot increase it. What you cannot manage, you cannot multiply it. What you cannot manage, you will not be able to preserve it. And that is why you see people with a lot of potential because they lack basic management. Because they lack basic stewardship principle. They don't know how to produce. They don't know how to move forward. Not because God hates them. Not because of any discrimination or whatever. It's just because you lack basic principle of stewardship. You don't know how to manage your resources. If you don't know how to manage your money, the money will disappear. So I don't know where the money went. You know where it went to. It went to all those places that you are spending it in. But that's the story for another day. So the principle number one is the principle of productive labor. Number two is the principle of stewardship. Number three is the principle of generosity. The Bible said that there's somebody who gives and receives more. And there are people who hoard and they don't give and they don't get to have enough. It is counterintuitive. But one of these days I'm going to speak to you about the paradox of the scriptures. Where the Bible tells you that the way up is for you to go down. The way to riches is to do what? Is to be able to give. The more you hold, the more you are going to lose. The way to life is for you to die. Those are paradox in the scripture that most people do not understand. But that's the story for another day. The principle is the principle of generosity. The more you give, the more it comes back to you. Then you have the seed principle. Which is what we are going to focus on this very morning. The seed principle. Without the seed, there will be no harvest. I hope you know that. And then finally, or second to the last or whatever number we are in right now, is the principle of sowing. If you don't plant, nothing comes out. If you don't plant your time, your ta- your resources, your talent, nothing comes back to you. And then the principle of tithing. The Bible makes us to understand that God has given you, or not, you, know, you have a hundred percent of the resources and God is saying, just give me ten. Is it because God wants to spend your dollar? No. It's because God wants to teach you to understand that everything comes back from him. It's the principle of accountability. That's basically what the tithing is all about. And then finally, is the principle of the first fruits. The principle of the first fruits. Very difficult to understand. Very difficult to, you know, to, to, to be able to practice. But one thing is the Lord is saying that every first thing that comes into your hand belongs to him. And the reason is because he wants to use it to sanctify the rest. These are the general prosperity principles that are in the, uh, that are in the scriptures. But I want you to understand one thing. The fact that you know these principles does not mean they are going to work for you immediately. Okay? It is one thing for you to know and understand the principle. It's another thing for you to know how to unlock that principle to work for you. The fact that you have a key to a particular building doesn't mean that you'll be able to enter that building if you don't know how to use it. 
If you don't know how to use a combination, if you don't know how to operate and unlock the blessings of God, you can look at the blessings that will not happen for you. But that will not be our portion in Jesus' name. Okay? The question then is, how do you unlock the power of the covenant blessings of prosperity? How do you unlock it? How do you tap into what God has made available already for you? How do you tap into it? Okay? To unlock the blessings of prosperity, you must understand the seed principle. Okay? And that is what we want to talk about this morning. You un, you know, you unlock the principles of prosperity in the hands of the Almighty God by understanding, by walking the, the seed principle. Genesis chapter 1. If you read from verse number 11, the Bible tells us there. It says, and God said, let the earth bring forth grass and help yielding seed and fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind. Whose seed is in itself upon the earth and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb and herb yielding seed after its kind and the tree yielding fruit whose seed is in itself after his kind and God saw that it was good. From this verse of the scripture, the seed principle has been in existence from the very beginning. I don't want to go into too much detail with it for taking much of our time, but one thing I want you to understand is that God put every seed of every, God put in every tree. He put the seed in it. The reason is because he wants to assure a future. Because he knows that if you don't have the seed, you cannot get another future from it. And the Bible makes us to understand that this particular seed principle has been in existence from the very beginning. That is why when God wanted to create a universe, what did he say? He delivered. He sowed a word. He said, let there be when God wanted the universe, he sowed the, the word. When the Lord God Almighty wanted a nation, he, gave, he sowed a family. And that was the family of Abraham. He sowed a family to the world. And then he was able to get a nation. When the Lord God Almighty wanted redeemed sons and daughters, which are you and I, sitting here this morning, the Lord God Almighty sowed the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he knew that you cannot get something until you release what is in your hand. The problem with many of us is that we don't want to release what is in our hands. I want to keep getting. God wanted you and I to become born again. He wanted you and I to become sons and daughters of the kingdom. The first thing he did was that he gave us Jesus Christ. You have to sow. That is the seed principle. Jesus was the seed for you and I being alive today. So you will see, right from the very beginning, God has been operating the seed principle. The question is, what is this seed principle? The seed principle is simply stated that every potential future harvest is bound up in the resources that is available to you right now. In other words, the future that you are looking for, the future that you are praying for, the things that you are desiring that God will do for you, many of the raw materials that will make that future possible is already in your hands. And that's why God never asks you for what he doesn't, what he has already, or not already given unto you. The things that you are trusting God for 10, 20 years from now, the resources to make it happen is already in your hand. It's just for you to recognize the seed. The seed principle simply said that every potential future harvest is bound up in the resources that is available to you. In other words, the future you are looking for is right in front of you. Disguised in the resources, in challenges, in opportunities that is facing you. What you do today determines tomorrow. Which means today is the seed of tomorrow. And that's why when I talk to new people who are just coming from Africa, I tell them, why don't you go to school? Some of them will say, oh, I can't spend the next five years going to school. I say, okay, do you know that whether you go to school or you don't go to school, five years will come and go. What are you going to put in that five years? Are you going to put the extra hours at work at five years? 
At one point in time, you are going to get old. You won't have the power to do the work again. You need to do the work now so that you don't do the work later. The seed of tomorrow, okay? Today is the seed of tomorrow. What you see tomorrow is what you are doing today. The result of what tomorrow is going to look like is what you are doing this very hour. Okay? And to understand the seed principle, you need to understand certain things about the seed. Okay? The basic fact about the seed, the first one is that the seed is non-discriminatory. The seed is non-discriminatory. It doesn't care where you come from. It doesn't care whether you, whether you are educated or not. The seed principle is non-discriminatory. It applies to everything. It applies to everybody. Number two thing about the seed is that it is irrevocable. In other words, it goes from generation to generation. Whether you do it in 1930, it's the same. You do it in 1940, it's the same. You do it in 2010, it's the same. You do it in 2020, it is the same. It is irrevocable. And that's why the Bible tells us in the book of Genesis chapter 8, verse number 22. It says, while the earth remains, it says, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Which means the principle is the same. You can do it here in the US, it will work. You do it in China, it will work. You do it in India, it will work. Go to South America, it will work. It will never change. It is irrevocable. Number three is that the seed principle produce after its kind. And that's why you know, you cannot plant oranges and go to go and start operating plantain. It's not possible. If you do that, something is happening. Somebody is doing some Frankenstein plants. But the idea is that whatever you plant is what you are going to reap. You reap what you sow. And that is why if you want knowledge, you sow knowledge. If you want money, you sow money. If you want health, you sow health. The idea is that the seed produce after its kind. Number four, the seed produce, the seed respond to your efforts. When you put effort into tending the seed, the seed will grow. It will respond to it. And that's why some seed will grow to be 30. Others will grow to be 60. Others will grow to be 100. It's a function of your effort that you put into it. The growing itself got done, but the tending, it responds to it. You reap after you have sown, not before. Bible tells us in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 2, reading from verse number 9. It tells us there, the Bible says that, But these I say, he which soweth sparingly reaps also sparingly, and he that sows bountifully also reaps bountifully. bountifully. In other words, the seed responds to your effort. If you put in the work, you will see the result. You don't put in the work, nothing happens. It is not magic. It's not magic. The church of God loves miracle, but we don't op- like to operate the miracle, the principles that make miracles happen. We don't like to operate it. We like to be healthy, but we don't want to follow the health principles. We like to be rich, but we don't want to follow the principles of the rich. So, seed responds to your effort. Number five, seed multiplies your inputs. In other words, if you put one, the seed will always multiply it. And that is why if you put a grain of corn in the ground, it never comes back as one grain. Never. It will come back as what? An air. You know, there's a cone that is filled with at least 52 seeds surrounding that particular cone. It multiplies your increase. You reap more than what you sow. And this is also true positively and negatively. Which means that if you start behaving anyhow, you are going to get a lot of anyhow results. Please understand that. If you are treating people bad and you are speaking evil of people, I can assure you it will come back to you because you reap 
Always more than you sow. And that's why if you do good, a lot of good come back to you. You do a lot of stupid things, a boatload of stupid things come back to you. Okay? Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of a corn of wheat falls into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. In other words, you reap more than you sow. You reap more than it. That's the basic idea about the seed. And then number six, your seed requires your investments. You have to invest in the seed. By tending the garden, by cleaning up, making sure the weeds do not kill it, making sure that the rocks are taken away, you invest in the garden. You cannot just reap when you have not made any form of investment. You cannot reap when you are not involved in the process. So, the seed requires your investment. And then finally, the seed requires your protection. You cannot just drop a seed of corn and just top it anyhow, leave it there for weather, for everything to mess with it, and don't take it and go and plant it and expect it to germinate. It doesn't work that way. You got to protect it. You have to keep it in the right spots. Make it so that, making sure that it has the right temperature, the right humidity, everything is protected. It has to be protected. The same thing for your wisdom. The same thing for your resources. Your seed requires your protection. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.